0: in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art, or music, or screenwriting, or dance, or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full-time, because it's not just about business. It's about contribution. It's about meaning. That is what we seek. That is what we truly want, and you absolutely are here to serve the world, and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive
1: in. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I hope you had a beautiful Christmas. I love the feeling in the air on Christmas, whether you celebrate or you don't there is just an incredible, palpable sense of goodness and people just opening their heart a little bit more. And boy, do I wish that was how it is every single day. My family and I watched the movie Encanto and Disney nailed it. I thought it was one of the most beautiful movies that they've made. And it really is pertinent to what we talk about on this show. So I highly recommend it. I also just want to say I can't believe that we're here at the last week of the year. It's just incredible how much we've all just been dealing with this year. And so I want to give everybody a standing ovation for making it through this year because it was a lot. Um, Also, because this new year is upon us, I'm going to be doing a pop-up workshop tomorrow where we are going to go over all of the things that we want to see happen in 2022. And we're going to look at our goals and our dreams, and we're going to chart a course. And this is going to be a bonus for anybody who's in my Lit Up membership. So if you join Lit Up, you're going to get to join me tomorrow for this free plan out the most epic 2022 ever workshop. And you can find out all about joining the Lit Up membership if you go to kathyheller.com slash Lit Up. It is awesome. I think that you guys will love it. We call it Lit Up because it is a once a month Zoom coaching 90 minute session where you are guaranteed to walk away feeling lit up. Go check it out, kathyheller.com slash lit up. And if you join by tomorrow, you're going to get this session where we're going to plan out tomorrow on zoom how to make next year the most epic year. Okay. Well, today's episode is our annual end of the year roundup. These are some of our favorite moments from the episodes we did in 2021. You're going to hear from amazing authors, entrepreneurs, celebrities, Priyanka Chopra, Rachel Platten, Mel Robbins, Rachel Ray, Rain Wilson, Dr. Edith Eager, so much more. And we actually have so many clips that we're actually going to break this into two episodes. Today's episode and Thursday's episode, we'll be doing part one and part two. But we felt like these are the most important takeaways that were important to revisit as we're wrapping up the year. It's just so important to reflect on what are the messages that we want to carry with us into the new year. So I hope you really enjoy this. Okay, the first clip is from my conversation with the award-winning actress, philanthropist, and author Priyanka Chopra Jonas. She radiates such an astonishing sense of confidence, and I asked her how we can proactively build a culture of positivity for women so that we all can bring our energy to the table. Take a listen to what she said. I wanted to give you a moment to speak specifically to women about this because there's so much of this like apologizing and like, I'll just kind of dim it down. And I think this idea of shame, which we talked about before it comes up for, it's like, oh, I don't want to seem arrogant or I don't want to like myself too much. Or you've said like, be your best friend. Right. And I like looking at my, you didn't say that and go, I know that sounds horrible. You didn't say that. You didn't apologize for saying that. Every little girl should like looking at their reflection. That should be a rite of passage. What do you want to say to women who are constantly like, I like your outfit. It's okay. It's fine. It's, there's so much of that. And I don't think that that's being in our best
2: self. What do you think about that? I think that I would love to tell your female listeners to think about something in a different way, okay? And even guys, for that matter, for eons, society has decided what women should do when women should do it right like women at this point should have a job. You should now have a boyfriend. You should have moved out at this point. You should have a child at this point. You should, Oh my gosh, you're going to be menopausing soon. So you shouldn't be settled in. And now you're a grandmother. You can't date, you know, like all of these things that have been decided for women, which no one has decided for men. Like they do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. Right. And in, in fact, it's actually said that, Oh my gosh, he said, you know, he's such a confident guy. He lives life on his own terms. But when it comes to a girl, We've been taught that, you know, we should be judged at every moment, so much so it's so deeply ingrained in our culture, in the world that women do it to women too, and we don't realize it. And again, it's because there were so few opportunities for women, right? We were always told that you have to elbow out the other one to get the job because the best one is going to get the job. The best girl is going to get the guy because, I mean, lo and behold, two girls couldn't get the guy, you know, um. All of those really messed up thoughts that have been subliminally sort of sprinkled, normalized into society, we have to fight that norm. Our generation of girls has to change it so that the next generation doesn't inherit these problems. You know, we create sisterhood. And I'm so excited actually to be with a generation of women that are now creating opportunities for himself. Like the Me Too movement, for example, um, was such a great example of the fact that, you know, we've we gave each other courage. And like that, I think as women, instead of doing the same thing that we've been taught, like to be the most popular one in the school, you have to step on the shoulders of everyone else. No, we are going to be so successful as a community, as a world, if we support our women and if women give each other, you know, encouragement. So next time you see, a, you know, just another girl trying to do her best and, you know, at her job or at her life, just appreciate her. That's all it takes. Just appreciate her and say, you know what? You did so great today. You look amazing today. That dress is freaking awesome just that it just makes such a difference to create a sense of positivity instead of the negativity that we've been taught that we should have against each other. It's so toxic and noxious.
1: Oh my gosh. It's so good. There's another part I love from her episode where she talks about how her parents gave her the courage to speak her mind. Take a listen.
2: I have to give a lot of credit to my parents upbringing of me and my brother. um, When it comes to having an inherent sense of self specifically with me for some reason, for sure. I mean, I was a chatty Cathy. I loved having conversations. I loved people, you know, and my parents never treated me like a kid. I was always in the middle of the room at the dinner parties, hanging out with everyone. But the one thing that my parents used to do, which was really interesting to me, was they always asked my opinion about things that they were talking about at these dinners or parties. It would be like, what do you think? Five years old, give them my opinion. Never laughed at, never shamed. You know, I was encouraged to have an opinion, especially in a room that didn't agree with mine, you know. And they kind of honed a sense of confidence in my voice, in my thoughts since I was a child. And I'm hoping to, you know, be that kind of parent someday. I'm like that with my nieces and nephews. And I really feel like it makes such a difference in a human being as an adult, when as a child, you are sort of told that, you know, you are an individual and your thoughts matter and your dreams matter and your opinion matters that you're not dumb. And, you know, you grow up as someone who feels like I can take on anything.
3: What's the maximum
2: that'll happen? I'll fail. I'll just dust myself off. Try again.
1: And while we're on the topic of inspiring women, I wanted to share this moment with the Emmy award-winning TV host, philanthropist, best-selling author, and celebrity chef, Rachel Ray. It was such an unforgettable experience talking with her. She is a lightning rod of energy and passion. And this is one of my favorite pieces of advice that she had for us. So many times I talk to women who listen to this show and they don't feel that they can receive it because it's beyond their upper limit or whatever you want to call it. And you have the courage to say, All right, God. Let's go. Next level. Let's go. Jaime, Mo, did you do that? You're from this small little town and you're like, "Okay, Oprah. Okay, food
4: now. Okay, I'm on the cover." That's not a small Every thing. Single day you open your eyes, it is this. It is a blank piece mm. of paper. It's just like your favorite notebook. Or the first time you filled your favorite lunchbox. Mm. You get to fill that paper or that box with anything you want. Wow. You get to paint it with any colors you like. You're never dead until you're dead. Live while you're living. Take a bite out of life itself. Please, please. If you wake up and your eyes open Mm. every single day is a clean piece of paper and it's as brave and as big and as colorful as you can make it. It's anything you want to put on that piece of paper. That's what happens that day. It doesn't matter how old or young you are, what happened to you or who hurt you. Stop thinking about yourself and what you lost. Think about what you have instead of what you do not have. you got to be grateful for what you can still do. (sighs) If you're breathing, you can still do it. Whatever your it is. And your it can be anything. You always wanted to play the piano. You always wanted to speak Portuguese. I don't care what the it is. If you're breathing, your it is there. It is waiting for you. It is waiting for you as long as you're alive.
1: All right. This next clip is from an awesome conversation I had with Taktis Razak, who's actually a listener of this podcast. She's built a beautiful business called Wow Meme, and she messaged me a few months ago to just tell me, Kathy, I hit my goal of making sixty thousand dollars, and would you believe? she only had 300 followers on Instagram. She built a business from such a tiny audience and I decided to go live with her to hear her story and it was so inspiring. Here's her advice on what made that a possibility.
5: If you go to my page, you will see I just, the 60K came from just above 300 followers. I just got 350 followers on Instagram. When you look around and you see all these influencers with 10,000, oh, I need to swipe up you know, I need this. I have, I think a little over 1500 followers on Facebook. And then I have 350 some followers on Instagram. So all these new entrepreneurs, this would be my advice to you. Believe in yourself and believe in the power of people. There are such great people around this world. Just start with, anything. And you can make abundance of love and courage and happiness and just changing the world around you. All right. Now we're going to hear
1: an amazing piece from my friend, Nicole Walters, who is a self-made multimillionaire, who's the star of the TV show. She's the boss. This is such an inspiring story about what can happen when you open your eyes to the synchronicity around you. Do you have any examples of in your life of synchronicity that you could never have planned where you saw God, you saw the universe, you saw the world meet you with an opportunity because you showed up and didn't figure out the how, but you just showed up in
3: your purpose. Oh my gosh. You're going to make me cry because it's just like, it's such a, it's a thing. First of all, I'm blessed because I've had a lot of those moments, you know, so I'm really grateful for, for that every day. But the biggest moment in my life was actually, and it's going to be, you know, shown on the TV show, but it was yeah. when I met my daughters, you know, it was when I met my girls. I uh, was on date night with my husband and it was late and we were planning on getting dessert on the way home. And we pulled over because I saw kind of a little hopping thing in the corner and it was actually my daughter panhandling with her biological mom at the time. And I wasn't supposed to be there, wasn't supposed to be on that corner. It was 10 o'clock at night in October in Baltimore. And we pulled over and you know, I just looked in her face and I just I just knew. You know, I just knew that I was—I needed to help with whatever the next right thing was. And you want to talk about synchronicity. I mean, that was what my life has been with my three girls, just doing the next right thing. And I never thought when I took in a three-year-old, an 11-year-old and a 14-year-old that I would five years later be mom to a nine-year-old, an 18-year-old and a 21-year-old, you know, but here I am and It has highs and lows because parenting and I've got teenagers and a 21 year old, you know, but every single moment is a constant living, breathing, walking reminder of how God shows up and all you have to do is just Open your eyes and be willing to say yes and look for the opportunities because they are around you. My kids are a walking, living, breathing example of resilience that I get to have every day. I couldn't put a price on that. I can't can't ever make excuses because they exist and they're here, you know? So um, the show covers a lot of what our journey is like. and, And it talks about the funny moments of me figuring out parenting, you know, all three at one time, but it's also a beautiful example of what it looks like to see love happen in the most unexpected way. It really gives me goosebumps. She is amazing.
1: I now want to play you something from the episode with my friend, Jamie Kern Lima, who founded It Cosmetics. She said something so powerful, and you've probably heard me repeat this a hundred times on the show, but I really don't think it can be stated enough. Take a listen.
6: There's a famous saying that that really fills my soul when i start to feel imposter syndrome or doubt myself or feel like i don't have what it takes or like i'm not qualified right how many times do we feel like we're not qualified and these famous words say god doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called and for me okay. i feel like when we have <laughs> when we have a knowing in our in our gut right and we can't shake it I feel like that's part of your calling or your purpose in life. And, and I think we can have multiple of those. But when you have it, for me, I kept feeling this calling. Like I was supposed to uh, create this dream, launch this dream, and I was supposed to do whatever I can to shift culture in the beauty industry. I just kept feeling it. I really
1: think we need to hear that over and over and over again. Here's another one of my favorite stories from the amazing singer-songwriter and my friend Rachel Platten. Most of us have heard her most recognized song, Fight Song, but the journey to get it heard is so unbelievable.
6: I literally wrote 5,000 songs over the years. I stopped touring. I moved to L.A. My husband was in New York. It was very hard. We're doing long distance. And my friends, I was 30 at this time. My friends were having babies and moving on their lives and buying houses. And I was buying a van and buying like production. And it was just hard for my family around me to understand what I, what are you doing? This isn't working. But I had, I just knew, I just had this feeling and I kept writing. I kept writing. And finally I wrote fight song and like I was 31 at the time, all the labels had rejected me so many times. So no one heard that song and they were like, yo, you're going to be a star. People were just like, that's a good song. But Even when I had the fire that you guys hear now and are like, that's invincible, still people didn't believe in me. And I had to prove it again. And I had that song for two years sitting there before people, before you guys heard it, because no one would take a chance. And I knew, though, and I went and took that song and I played around at living rooms again. I went back to square one. I played fight song for house concerts and and I played it in hospitals. I did a lot of charity work too during this whole time. And um, I saw that it was changing people's lives and I had stand by you at the time too. And I just saw that it was like changing people's lives and making a real impact. And that is what kept me going. You know, even after all the rejection, I just was like, I don't care one-on-one, I'm making a difference. And finally, after two years of that someone by chance, and by the way, right before my big break, I had a massive spiritual awakening of surrender of like, I am holding this dream way too tight. I am gripping it. I am strangling the life out of it. I need it to happen so badly. I'm not even giving it room to breathe. Like the universe might be trying to send me things. And I am so nervous and so scared that I'm pushing them away. And I realized all this. So I just fell to my knees one night and I was like, God, I don't know what else you want from me. I have made the music that I think will heal millions of people. I have- Driven around the country. I have bled for this. I have done everything. But if it's not meant to be, I accept it. If I'm just supposed to play in hospitals, that's okay. And even it was like, I was sobbing. It was horrible. Ugh, I cried thinking about it because it was just this feeling of like, okay, maybe my dreams that I've felt for years are not meant to happen. And I just trust you, God. And I just put it in the universe's hands and God's hands. And I woke up the next morning and I was like, I'll never be so ego driven about this again? Like, who am I to say that it's not enough to play in hospital rooms and and heal people? Why does my ego need to be so much bigger? And sure enough, two weeks later, it got heard by a radio station in Baltimore. And the production manager of the station just was like, played it for a sister who had breast cancer. And she sobbed. And finally, it got the like explosion that I knew it could have from this one man, believing it, this one woman who had breast cancer saying to her brother, like, please put that on the radio. Like that's healing me. Please let other women or other people have cancer, other people in general have this power. And it was so beautiful. And within weeks it shazammed to number one, two months after that I was on stage at the radio Disney awards. Three months after that, I was on stage with Taylor Swift. Everything changed. It was number one. It was a wild, wild ride. So that's that's the discovery story. Woo!
1: Wow. Well, this year, I also had the opportunity to speak with Gary Zukov, who's a number one New York Times bestselling author. And he was on The Oprah Winfrey Show more than 30 times. I love the story he told about how the thing we're constantly seeking is already inside of us. I spent a week with Joe Dispenza a few months ago, and I heard him say at the end of the retreat, he said to us, you want to know why God is hidden? Because He's inside of every one of us, and it's the last place we choose to look. And so that mystical, that portal, is inside of us. And you continue to remind us of that.
7: Thank you, thank you. I was Linda and I were adopted by our Sioux brother into the Lakota tradition years ago, and and they have so many tales. I love them, and one of them is. The creator had assembled all of creation, and he said, I want to hide something from the humans that they create. They are the creators of their world. What should I do? And the eagle said, give it to me. I'll take it to the moon. They'll never find it there. And the creator said, no. One day they'll go even to the moon, and they'll find it. And the bear said, give it to me. I'll take it into the mountains. They'll never find it there. And the creator said, no. One day they'll tunnel through the mountains and they'll find it. And after so many of the creatures had given their ideas, a mole, Mother Mole, rose to speak. And everyone knew that she was wise because she had no eyes. She looked inward. And she said, put it inside them. (laughs) and the creator said oh it is done
1: it's so beautiful right so here's another great origin story this one is from rain wilson who you probably know as dwight from the office he's also the founder of soul pancake he talked about how a different role actually changed his life because it eventually led him to being a part of the iconic series the office
8: the truth is the part that I got before Dwight on the office was a character named Arthur on six feet six under. Six
1: feet
6: under.
8: Which Love was
1: that. On Alan Ball.
8: And that part, and I did 13 episodes of that show. That's the part that launched my career. And I remember I was driving down to Orange County with my wife to go see one of those Cirque du Soleil shows, only it's the one on horses. or something like that where they're like jumping around on horses Mm -hmm. and my manager called and I was like, Hey, I'm driving. And he's like, pull over. And I was like, really? He's like, pull over. And I pulled over on the side of the freeway in orange County. And he's like, you got this part of Arthur. It's at least 10 episodes to start. This is one of the hottest shows on HBO he said, you don't understand your entire life is about to change. And that was the moment when wow. I was just like, this is all, this is, a, yeah. this is everything that I've worked for is kind of launched with that role. And that was the role that got me Dwight. And so I hate to say it. I'm not being cocky. I kind of knew I was going to get Dwight, you know, who I else
1: could with, do that? Come well, on. I
8: just knew it was my part. I had met with the showrunner. I knew they so really good. liked me. I kind of had uh. some inside scoop, but I will say that. That show was almost canceled about 13 different times. So we knew we had something comedically very special, but we really, really, really did not know that we were going to make 100 episodes and go nine years and that it would have all these different lives on streaming services like Netflix and a whole new generations of kids would discover it. So I'm so amazed and grateful at that.
1: Well, if you can believe it, we also had another member of The Office on this year, the delightful Brian Baumgartner, who played Kevin. I honestly didn't expect that I would be so touched and that I would cry during this interview, but there is such a goodness in what he shared, including this piece.
9: Something that Greg had, had told all the writers, which was, imagine the show is a is a parking lot, right? It's a giant parking lot that goes on as far as the eye can see, just endless concrete And then there's just rows of parking spots, and maybe the lines are a little faded, but it just keeps going on and on, parking space after parking space, you can't hardly see. And there's some cracks in the concrete, and he said, but then what happens is, is that out a couple of the cracks, you just have a little flower that comes out. And he's like, that's what I want us to find, the little Bit of beauty in this mundane world and yes. i went back two weeks ago for the first time in a really long time and they kept asking me when was the last time you were back and i honestly i can't remember i think i maybe was in the general area at some point and just kind of drove by and had the like feels or whatever but i went back and i showed up and that was one of after talking to everybody that was one of the things that that struck me in the cover of the book right is you know, Pam's drawing of the building, right? That drawing, because of what it was in the show and it gives you the feels and it's kind of this beautiful thing. Michael Scott described it as um, something beautiful. You get there, when I got there, it's not attractive. And it's on a very, very industrial street. There's like welding that happens across the way and a train that comes by weirdly (laughs) that seems to go nowhere, and it's a, it's a cul-de-sac. There's no ins and outs, and it's all very industrial. It's not attractive, but yet there was a place that beauty was found there uh, for people that were watching and for the people that experienced it there. And I think that almost becomes a, a metaphor for the whole show itself.
1: I can't believe that I'm literally crying. I didn't expect that, but I think be- I think because... We talk about this on this show all the time. I started this show because I want every person to feel like they matter. Like every person deserves to feel seen, whether you live in Missouri and you're just a... We had a guy who listened to the show. He used to work at a dog food factory and he wound up making cheesecakes on the side and he wound up opening a cheesecake shop. And that story just... It just lights my heart up like a Christmas tree because he deserves to feel happy, right? And that's kind of what every character on the show and the writing and everything about the show was like, hey, you might think that you just live this mundane life. You might think that it's not LeBron James. It's not Serena. It's not whatever. And yet it really matters. And yes, like we get
5: it. We see you.
9: Yes. And that. Is so fascinating. <laughs> Maybe your show here was born out of some weird residual in the back of your mind of our show because the the way that I kind of end the book and how I ended every single interview that I did was I played them a clip, which was the final words that were ever spoken on the office, mm. and it's basically Pam Jenna Fisher basically asked, you know, why did they make a documentary about? Dunder Mifflin. She yeah. says, "I don't know why this was a, a good subject of a documentary," and she says, "But there's beauty in ordinary things. Isn't that kind of the point?" And for me, that Greg Daniels wrote those words, and that that's how the show ended. For me, that was the point. And I think you get talked to all the time about comfort. The show brings people comfort. And trying to get like at the root of that, I and mean, I think it's exactly what you just talked about the building is not beautiful. the people in it the people in it don't look don't like, you
5: dare say that
9: don't don't look like they're on the cast of friends, but that an ordinary person, an ordinary person has beauty and value, and I think that's why when people are going through a hard time. Even though on its surface, snarky things are said, inappropriate things are said, bad behavior is done, chili is spilled on the floor, like all of this ridiculousness. But at its heart, these are people that care about each other and, yeah. are, and, and the show is trying to search for beauty within these ordinary people.
1: It's so good. OK, and now I want to play a clip from somebody I love, best-selling author Donald Miller, who actually might be coming back very soon. He knows so much about building business, but this was a moment that really stuck with me.
8: I really firmly believe that every human being is intrinsically priceless in terms of their value. That's a foundational belief that I have. Even people who, are, who make us uncomfortable or who do bad things, I, had, I think they had this enormous potential that they were yeah. born with to do something really beautiful. Some, some people get lost for a season and find their way back. And some people just get lost, period, and do some stuff they shouldn't be doing. But intrinsic value doesn't really come from us. You know, nobody sat me down before I was born and allowed me to create myself. Somebody else did that. So, so my value doesn't actually come from me. It, it comes from this miracle of a story that we're all living within.
1: Another one of my favorite people and authors is Mel Robbins. She came on the show this year and it was such a treat. She shared with me this very touching conversation that she had with her daughter about how her high five habit helps us recognize that we're always deserving of love without having to do
10: anything to earn it. I want to first, though, since you were talking about college, share a text chain between my daughter and I, Okay, because it is really profound And it dovetails beautifully to the story that you just told. So uh, we have a 21-year-old daughter who is a junior at the University of Southern California. And she's at the Thornton School of Music. And she's an artist. She's a vocalist and singer-songwriter and a pop musician. And uh, she texted me the other day. And she said, are you getting excited about your book? I can't wait to read it. I've been high-fiving myself in the mirror. And I said to her, how's the high five working? And she said, well, I don't know what to say when I do it. Because sometimes I still look in the mirror and think you're not as pretty as the rest of the girls. And I write, well, you don't need to say anything. The high five communicates it for you. And then she said, but what if I didn't accomplish anything? Like I didn't work out or I didn't write a song today. Should I still high five myself after my shower? And I said, yes, you got to keep showing up every day, trying to do a little better. And that alone makes you worthy of support and celebration. You see, we have the secret to life and happiness and motivation all backwards. You think you need to accomplish something to be worthy of a high five. She writes, wait, you mean the fact that I exist deserves a high five? I said, yes. And when you high five yourself for just standing there in front of the mirror, you are demonstrating that you see you and all your potential. You support you and you believe in you and that no matter what happens today, you have got your own back. And then I said, what do you think about what I just wrote? And she said, I love it. It makes me feel great. And I said, can you explain why it makes you feel great? Because it might help me explain this to everybody else. And she wrote, well, what the high five shows you is that you don't actually know how much you're always doing. And I think that once you start high-fiving yourself every single morning, It almost allows you to be more present to everything you are doing, and it helps you recognize all those small victories. And when you compile those small victories, you can recognize all your accomplishments, big and small, and eventually come to believe that not only are you worth it, but you could do anything.
1: The next incredible guest is psychologist, Dr. Edith Eager, who wrote some of the most incredible books like The Choice and The Gift. She has such a powerful story about surviving the Holocaust and learning to free her mind from all the pain and suffering. This is a conversation that I'll never forget. Take a listen to what she said. You know, you've said the word God eight Mm -hmm. times
11: maybe already, maybe more. I love my God. Me too. I I love my God. It's The free spirit. I People tell me there was God in Auschwitz. Right.
1: That's what I was going to ask you because it's so easy for people to say, no way, no way. So how do you have that? God was
11: with me, changing the hatred into pity, feeling sorry for the gods. That they were wearing that uniform, throwing children in a, chamber, so I can call Auschwitz, what you call many things, an opportunity. It was an opportunity for an opportunity, for an opportunity to develop that happiness doesn't come from the outside, that no one makes me happy. I developed my inner resources, and the more I suffered, the stronger I became. You turn tragedy into an opportunity, into a victory. If I would hate, I would still be a prisoner. Why give Hitler another inch? So, opportunity for an opportunity, not recovery, but discovery, that I have strength, whether I'm going to respond or react. When you react, you don't think. I tell children to take that movie called The Karate Kid because <sighs> the best power is brain power. Yeah. 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 So, what you think you create, that's very important. And that's what you're saying. And anger, one, while, while you are angry, you're bankrupt because you allowed somebody. To
1: get to you. Mm. It's just beyond words. So,
11: we recently had the best
1: selling author, Bronnie Ware, on the show, but I think her message is so important that we have to highlight this one again. It's one of the hard hitting stories she shared from her book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And I think that it really represents the mission I have for this podcast for all the work that I do. We can't stay quiet. We have to put our voice out in the world. We only get this one chance at this life and we can't waste it. Here's the story from Bronnie. The third regret is I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. Oh, so what did you hear? What, what do you remember about that?
12: Well, this is the one that affected me the most because at that time I I had some pretty big walls up around myself and I was not expressing my own feelings at all. So I really paid attention to this one. And the, my favourite story from this is with Joseph, who's with, an elderly man, 91. He was a Holocaust survivor. He'd worked all his life. And at the end, he was in tears. And with me, his family didn't want him to know he was dying. He knew he was dying. And he asked me, am I dying? And I said, yes, Joseph, you are. And his family just kept pretending he wasn't, bringing in massive meals when all he really wanted was, Five grapes or something like that, and you know I, I don't want to judge anyone because I don't know what how they even survived getting through what they got through, but in the end he was in tears. To me, I was giving a foot massage, which I used to do a lot with my my patients, and he was in tears, and he just said, "They don't know me. They don't even know me, and you know they don't know me at all." And I said, "Well." do you want me to bring them in here and let's let them join this conversation oh no it's it's too hard now it's too late now and i said but you know i can open the conversation for you if you need no it's too late and you know he's sobbing in my arms this 91 year old man who's been through all of that and just felt that he couldn't express his feelings to his family and he'd never been able to he just his love was a practical love of providing and and looking after his children, teaching them very well about money. And, you know, so they'd always be safe and secure, which they were. But, yeah, it was, it was heartbreaking to have a 91-year-old man sobbing, saying, my family don't know me at all, and I don't know how to talk to them about that. And not wanting to, not having the courage to at that point or the, or the energy to as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how many people are listening right now, how many people live on... Our streets, and they haven't said what they actually need to say to people they pass in the hallway in their own home every single day, or someone like a father or a mother they haven't spoken to, or someone they see every Christmas or Thanksgiving, or their boss or their child. And it's like the bandwidth that that takes, you know, and the fact that you did this for years and you picked five things. And that this is one of the five means you heard this so often, you know? So the hope is that, and it's already happening over and over and over again, is that people who read your work and listen to you and follow you, hopefully they make that change so that they're not sitting there in that moment, the way Joseph was.
12: Yeah. And it is freeing. I mean, I've worked through that now and I'm really honest and I show my vulnerabilities and I, I just say what I, whatever I need to now. And when I think of how much work it was to protect my heart and keep quiet compared to how flowing and free it is, once you break, you know, you chip away at that wall and dismantle it, it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful just to be human and let people see who you are.
1: Wow. It's so beautiful to relive those moments. They're so powerful so here are the takeaways. Number one, your thoughts and your dreams matter. Your opinion matters. Number two, believe in yourself and believe in the power of people. Number three, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Number four, the thing we're searching for is already inside of us. Number five, when you release your ego, surrender and trust, the universe opens the door for you. Number six, every day is a blank piece of paper. Paint it with any colors you want. Live while you're living. Take a bite out of life itself. Number seven, there's beauty in ordinary things. Number eight, open your eyes and be willing to say yes. Look for the opportunities because they are around you. Number nine, turn tragedy into an opportunity, a victory to rise above hate. Number 10, say what you need to say. It's beautiful to let people see who you are. And number 11, you're always deserving of support and celebration and love thank you so much for listening. I know how crazy this time of year is and it means so much that you're listening. Also, if you head on over to my Instagram, check it out because I'm going to be putting up some of these clips on a video montage and we're going to be asking you guys to share it. We're coming up on five years. Our five-year anniversary of this podcast is next week, first week of January, five years ago. 2017 is when we started, and now we have crossed over 25 million downloads and almost 600 episodes. It's just unbelievable. I I, I can't even really wrap my head around it, but we want you to share the show. And so if you go to my Instagram at kathy.heller, You're going to hear about what we're doing. We're going to be doing some amazing giveaways. And all we're going to ask is that you share the podcast and maybe that you share this really cool montage, this little video clip that we're going to be putting in my Instagram. Maybe you share it with someone and maybe it will leave an imprint and inspire them to show up more in the world and take a bigger bite out of life. I want to remind you that tomorrow I'll be doing a pop-up workshop on how to have the most epic 2022 If you want to join us for that, you're going to get that workshop as a bonus just by joining the Lit Up membership. You can join the Lit Up membership by going to kathyheller.com slash lit up, and then that'll give you access to the live workshop that I'm doing tomorrow as well. I love you so much. I'll leave you with a song of mine, and I'll talk to you on Thursday for the last episode 2021. Can't wait.